0: Thursday, fine Stephen Pritchard in just before Easter. Good afternoon, Stephen.
1: Good afternoon, Mark.
0: Look, we've got a big hour to go. What have you got for us today? Um, We're going to talk about the
1: uh, currency and commodities. We're going to have a talk to Henry Jennings. who has got... a couple of interesting comments to make about Telstra, and we've got Mandy Barton coming in from Centrelink to talk about disability pensions later. There's
0: so, something for everybody.
1: something for everyone. And if you like to ask Mandy uh, a question, you can give her a ring then, too, on 49216216 when she's
0: here. so time to have a look at the currency and commodity, Stephen. Hi, Mike. Um, yeah, um, the gold
1: price was up a bit on the week, 27 Percent to sixteen hundred and ninety-one dollars an ounce. Um, the copper price was down one percent to seven thousand six hundred fifty-six dollars a ton, and the crude oil price was um, up three point two percent to seventy-three dollars and ninety cents a barrel. Um, the Australian currency was um, down against all the world's major currencies on the week, and um, we're down to seventy-five point three four U.S. cents, um, sixty uh, U.K. pence. And, uh, 70.68 euro, euro cents. Um, and the, the world equity markets were, were, were a bit all over the place. The Australian market was up, um, uh, Uh, half a percent on the week to 5,930. There's talk that it's soon going to get to 6,000. The the S&P 500 was actually down half a percent to 2,344. The UK index was up 0.6 to 7,348. And the Hang Seng was pretty much stable at 24,313. A couple of local stocks, um, uh, a couple of stocks that that local people don't seem to be well invested in, Um, uh, BHP was down 1.3% to um, $24.34, CBA was up 1.8% to $86.39, NIB health funds got to a new record of um, $6.17 up. Um, almost 5% on the week. Telstra, poor Telstra, which we're going to talk about a bit later, was down 8% to $4.21. And now we need to have a look. Uh, So that was the local stocks for the week. And um, the fuel prices, well, we've only got a marginal price so far. Really? Easter (laughs) coming up. Um, well, I was is, talking
0: to a gentleman yesterday. This was last night, yeah, yeah, his petrol went up about twenty-five cents uh, in the, around the corner from him, and the, around the corner from there, it was down twenty cents. So it is that time of year, uh, isn't it?
1: So it was a dollar thirteen. According to the AAR, the average price was a dollar thirteen point seven. Uh, I think that's an overnight update um, in Newcastle, and a dollar twenty-seven point nine in Sydney. So it's it's interesting. Sydney was up fifteen percent, and we haven't moved. Um, so I suspect that might change in the next day <laughs> or so. Very cynical view there. And the diesel price, we're up 3% on the diesel price to $1.19 and in Sydney the diesel price was $1.20 a
0: litre. So, um, so diesel's pretty much the same right across the board but uh, petrol in Sydney is a little dearer. So obviously for all the travellers heading our way, they uh, got, I'll the, they got I get, stung. <laughs>
1: I'll wait till I fill up here um, and then we'll see what happens. Hi, Henry. Hi Stephen, how are you this afternoon? I'm good, I'm counting the the hours down to uh, going off on the Easter break, what about yeah, you? Yeah,
2: happy Easter. Happy Easter, the
1: bunny's coming for you, is he? Uh, I don't know if the bunny's coming, uh, but um, it's nice to get away for four days. As my wife always says, Easter
2: is much better than Christmas, You do not have to worry about presents. And, uh, all, that, and all that running around.
1: Yeah, Easter's yeah. just, just such a nicer break. Yeah, that's right. But I'm sure the shops will be busy this afternoon because people seem to panic, even though they're only shut for one day. Just, I know. They just seem to queue up down there. I
2: know. It's kind of that bunker mentality, isn't yeah, it? That yeah. uh, you know, the food's all going to run out, so we
1: have to run out and get right. it all. Yep. So yeah. okay. Um, yeah. So it looks <laughs> like the ghost of Robert Holmes Accords returned to BHP to me. I mean,
2: yeah. You see, you and I are old enough to remember. Uh, Robert Holmes of Court um, back in the 80s. I presume you're old enough to remember. Yeah, 80s, you
0: know that. You
2: know that. <laughs> he's just being very nice
0: to you, Stephen, I think.
2: I am being very nice. But yeah, it's, um, there's a, um, a US hedge fund led by a guy called Paul Singer, who's a billionaire, so he's done pretty well out of uh, being a US hedge fund manager, and they've been agitating uh, behind the scenes and talking to the BHP Are Christ- These guys are agitating for change, they're talking about buybacks, um, and they're talking about releasing shareholder value. Now BHP have fired back and said, look, you know, guys, we've looked at this, um, but the costs of doing this move would be prohibitive and would, uh, you know, the lawyers would get very rich and the brokers would probably get very rich. But as a, you know, as a shareholder value creation model, it probably wouldn't, uh, wouldn't really pass muster. If you remember, um, and you're certainly old enough to remember this one, um, BHP last did a shareholder buyback uh, and the stock was $47 Yes, when yes. they did that. So um, you've got to question their timing on their shareholder buyback. They do tend to um, have paid the top. Um, and they also paid pretty much the top for their US oil assets, mm. which is a petrol business, they paid $20, million, uh, $20 billion for. So, uh, so, yeah, the board has dismissed it, um, so it's not happening at the moment, but certainly Paul Singer is not a man that takes, uh, takes no's very easily.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember the shareholder buyback. They did that instead of paying out a special dividend of a dollar, and yeah. I would have, have rather the dollar, to be honest. And um, speaking of paying a lot of money and, and TPGs uh, are, are spending $1.2 billion to to buy some Spectrum to build a mobile network and you also sent me some comment about an ageing gunslinger, so, <laughs> how, how does all that work?
2: Well, I've always considered Telstra. As a bit like an aging gunslinger, there was an old movie uh, with uh, Lee Marvin and Jane Fondren in, in called *Cat Ballou*, where the aging gunslinger was sort of in town, and every young buck would come along and try and uh, take on the aging gunslinger. Uh, which is what happens when you're an aging gunslinger. And uh, you know, Telstra is is kind of in that uh, in that role. They've got a you know they've got a very good business, um, a great business, but unfortunately. The new guys are sniping away at them, and they have been uh, for a long time. Um, and the NBN has obviously made their life a little harder as well, although they've got some pretty good compensation for their copper wiring network. And the likes of TPG and Focus, and all these guys have been sniping away like young gunslingers do. So the problem that old old gunfighters have is that if you do nothing, you eventually come up against someone that is going to kill you. Um, and Telstra have really struggled to find a growth avenue for their business and this mobile business they have um, has been an absolute winner but of course now they've got more competition as uh, David Teo and the boys from TPG paid a very big price yesterday for, um, for some spectrum which will allow them to build the fourth mobile network. Now I've got to say I'm not sure why we need four mobile networks in this country. You think somebody could just build one and everyone could use it which is These other guys are now trying to snipe and, and cherry-pick, I guess, the areas that are the most profitable. So um, Telstra had an almighty fall yesterday, and they're having more of a fall today. They're down to sort of $4.17. Mm-hmm. Squeeze margins for Telstra and Optus and Vodafone, etc. So, not good news for Telstra shareholders. And the poor old aging gunfighter is is sort of thrashing around looking for uh, for ways to uh, prolong their life, um, while the young guys are there in the in the side streets looking to take them on.
1: Perhaps he needs to go and get a drink in the saloon.
2: Oh well, that's probably the, that could well be the answer. But uh, you know, I, I I think ultimately you know Telstra should probably try and split itself up a little bit and make its um, businesses smaller mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. in terms of uh, units because the problem they have is they're so big that they have to do something substantial to, mu- to really move the dial on their business mm-hmm. um, and every time they try and do something substantial that, that spooks the cattle and everyone gets really freaked out about it because it has to be big and it's a big risk whereas if you split it into various different business divisions separately um, you know that the mobile business could buy a smaller acquisition to make a difference to that and the and the fixed line could do something, or whatever, or the you know, the media business, which they like to tout, uh, could do something as well. So that's that's my shareholder activism for one day.
1: Okay. And Woolworths, Woolworths is facing some shareholder activism, uh, possibly from uh, possible class action over the profit downgrade.
2: Um, yeah, I, I, I saw this on the. Uh, I saw the guy I actually interviewed on the telly the other day on Sky Business um, by um, by one of the profile and uh, more aggressive um, anchors. And he, the, the guy from Morris Blackburn seemed to shoot, shoot himself in the foot a little bit with his argument about Woolies, but we'll wait and see. But certainly there are some uh, some question marks over the big profit downgrade and when the board knew and all that sort of jazz. But um, certainly when, when the guy from Morris Blackburn was questioned, you kind of looked at him and thought, yeah, I'm not sure you can really argue that, mate. Mm, um, mm, mm. So a lot of these class actions are... Um, you know, to get legal help, fees. Uh, ambulance chasing, but yeah. um, no, there certainly is some merit, I guess, in terms of uh, when bullies knew that their, their business was uh, deteriorating the way it had been. To Stephen
0: Pritchard and Henry Jennings. Henry.
2: Stephen.
1: Um, IFF, they're, they're looking at acquiring some of uh, ANZ's wealth management businesses.
2: Yeah, well, this, this is uh, ANZ. They've been doing a bit of a repair job, I guess, on themselves. Uh, with selling off some of what they consider, I guess, non-core assets. And the wealth management business was once upon a time a, a kind of an integral part of um, the bank off, Mm.
1: And then Bingo Holdings is is going to list. So there's going to be are we going to have Bingo Bingo games on the ASX? Or uh,
2: well, Bingo, bingo is or actually a skip business. Um, so it's a lovely name, Bingo. Ah, oh, uh, yes. Not quite Bingo. No.
1: Not, quite Not quite
2: Bingo. It's a uh, bin. Are you going oh, to yeah, reply it's, a lovely, Henry? it's a nice play on words, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You're going to apply. Uh, I think if you follow one of their uh, one of their skips around, it says, you know, watch our bin go. Uh, okay. Well, I, I've never. Or ever something seen along those lines. I anyway. skips. So.
1: I see. <laughs> so, yeah, so, so what's what's happened down at Orton? So there's another few problems down there. <laughs> or, or, or I think Orton we mentioned them last
2: take tick- consume
1: Just wrapping up, is Spotless is now telling that uh, that their investor should wait for another bid. Who's, who's going to bid this time?
2: <laughs> I think they were they were lucky to uh, to have the bid from uh, Downer EDI as it was. But um, Spotless have told their shareholders to, um, to take no action, which is kind of the, the uh, default position for most companies under siege from a from another player. And they've said there's another uh, may have another possible suitor out there paid, uh, well, we'll be paying. look at gift horse in the mouth but um, at the moment they are looking that gift horse in the mouth although the um, the spotless shares, let's just have a quick look at them, they're up 2 cents um, today to 110 so the market doesn't really believe there's going to be another bid um, and there is still a little uncertainty about the current bid I
1: guess Right, so if people are looking for something to read over Easter they can they can get hold of your newsletter? And...
2: Well they can but I'm I doubt oh, it.
0: it? Oh, Henry, <laughs> is, it all, is it full of all the one-liners that you're giving us this I afternoon?
2: <laughs> I was really uh, if, if they are interested, they can go to uh, to MarcusToday.com.au on the interweb and uh, and sign up for a two-week free trial, or um, and uh, they can read all the stuff that we put out every day, and all about ageing gunslingers and etc. Uh, etc. Et and bins that go.
1: And bins that go. Okay. Thanks, Henry.
0: Thank you very much, Henry. Have a great Easter. We'll talk to you next week. Because if you'd like to have a chat with Stephen Pritchard about anything to do with personal investment, the stock market or taxation, 49216216 is the number. And I believe we have Anne on the line wanting to chat uh, very briefly about investing in solar battery storage. Hello, Anne. You're on the phone with Stephen Pritchard. Oh, hello,
3: Stephen. Hi, Anne. Yes, yes. I was wondering what your thoughts are on investing in companies that are involved in solar battery storage.
1: Um, I, I, the only one I know is listed in the US. Um, uh. um, have you got a specific company in mind, or just generally?
3: Just, just generally. I mean, I've done a little bit of
1: research, okay, but okay. You're probably fine it's a bit like the the latest flavor of the month, these uh, marijuana companies. There, there'll be a whole mm-hmm. raft of them. Um, some will succeed and, and some won't. Um, you, you probably need to find one that's actually got a technology that works. Um, and the only one I'm aware of is that Tulsa company in the US. Um, I'm not aware of any companies in Australia that's um, that that's solely involved in um, battery storage. I imagine that in time, uh, AGL and Origin are, are probably going to roll that out with their their solar panel offering. Um, mm. But, but um, that's the only ones I'm kind of aware that, that you can um, get direct exposure to in Australia. Well, uh, there,
3: um, have you heard of Carnegie Clean Energy?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's in WA, but there, yeah, it's, it's still a development stage. There, right, is that yeah.
3: What about um Redflow oh, I don't know who Redflow is it's okay it says that I've just got the information that it was founded in two thousand and five and it's listed on the a s x and they have Z cell right so
1: yeah see so, see so you, you need you need to go and do some research and find mm. i mean there's, there's a lot of development stuff you know there, there's there's companies go. The market goes through various flavours of, you know, before a few years ago it was the needle, the retractable syringe thing, and there's a whole raft of companies, and, and, and you know, it's a, the marijuana or the. So, so a lot of these companies will just go by the wayside. It's so the key is to picking the one that's got the sustainable technology and that's going to be around. And the best way to do that is to get their company accounts and see if there's some
2: money coming in the
0: door. Nicholas, you want to chat to Stephen about superannuation?
2: Yeah, um, more specifically, what the government is talking about in regards to allowing people to use their superannuation for deposits on homes. Um,
1: I didn't think they were going to do that.
2: Um, they're talking about it. I was just. Oh, yeah, yeah,
1: They've been talking about that. They've been talking about that for years. Um, oh, OK. Um, uh, I mean, the last time the last time I heard was they weren't going to do it. So, the, yeah. So, so yeah. They've been talking about every every time there's a housing issue, they talk about allowing or, or people. To, I don't know whether it's so much as the government. Various commentators talk about allowing people to use your uh, superannuation for your home
0: deposit. Stephen, do you think this would be a good idea or a bad I idea? I think it's a bad idea. A bad idea. I think it's a bad idea. Yeah. I mean,
1: the superannuations for uh, re, re, you know, um, you know. Um, retirement funding and your home's your home. I don't know that they're, they're two different things.
0: Keep them separate.
1: Keep them separate. For sure. Uh,
0: Pensions today.
1: Yeah, Maddie, what's a, what's a, what is a disability pension entitlement? How does that work?
3: Well, the disability support pension is payable to customers who have a medical condition, so disability, illness, injury, that um, stops them from being able to participate in the workforce.
1: Okay, so so what is a, what is a medical condition, how, how do you determine whether you, you were, you know, I've, I've got a cold which is a medical condition, I can't obviously get a disability support pension, What how do we define what, what we need there?
3: So we need to have a, a medical condition that's considered permanent, now under social security law that's generally something that's considered to last a minimum of two years into the future um, and that medical condition has to be assessed under our impairment tables to see if it meets the qualifications so it, it can be one or a number of different physical intellectual or psychiatric impairments that um qualify a person for a disability support pension we also have um a number of conditions that a person will automatically qualify for without the need for a medical assessment Mm -hmm. Um, so those conditions are things like blindness yep um, uh, someone who requires a nursing home level care there's a number of different scenarios where someone will automatically qu- um, qualify without the need for any medical assessment right being so,
1: so someone who's blind obviously that that's straightforward but do we ever go back in in say two years time and reassess people
3: absolutely so when a person is um, receiving a disability support pension that payment is reviewed regularly to see if they continue to maintain their eligibility
1: and so, how do you determine the medical qualifications? Do they just go to their local GP or do they get sent off to a special? Uh, specialist or, or so, a doctor or?
3: yeah. when a person makes application for payment they provide us with their um, conditions, the person themselves tells us what the issues might be. We have staff within the department who make a determination of the person's capacity to work mm-hmm. because it's very important to note that the focus on the disability support pension is not necessarily on the fact the person has a medical impairment, the focus is on their ability to work or, or inability to work because of that impairment
1: okay so so how how do you do a reassessment so someone gets better or doesn't get better how do we determine is there a time frame or do they just well
3: based on that when the person's granted we look at the type of condition and establish a review period Mm -hmm. so if it's something that would improve over time we would generally review that in a couple of years um and then you know contact them have them come back in and speak to our staff which would be specialist staff within the department known as um job capacity assessors Mm -hmm. and they will make a determination of that person's entitlement to payment based Mm -hmm. on medical grounds
1: Uh, okay so so what are what are the rates of payment? and how, how how much money do they get, and how do you calculate
3: that? So the disability support pension is a pension payment, so it's paid under the same income and asset tests that apply to the age pension and right. the carer payment. So the current maximum rates of payment eight hundred and eighty eight dollars and thirty cents per fortnight for a single person, or six hundred and sixty nine dollars and sixty cents per fortnight for a member of a couple. So of course varying if their income and assets. Yeah, are so if thresholds. you're on a
1: disability support pension and then you go and win the lotto
3: mm.
1: win a couple of million dollars in the lotto you, you won't you, be on a disability support pension, disability anymore. <laughs> a pension so it's basically there for people who need it
3: absolutely and, and yes the
1: urban myth that once you get on a disability support pension you're there forever is not
3: not true no not, they are customers are reviewed regularly to ensure that um they remain eligible for payment
1: and, and one of the things that's a bit contentious which which personally i don't have a problem with to be honest is people on um uh, um some kind of center league benefit unemployment benefits and then they go off on a holiday overseas and the unemployment benefits get stopped as soon as they leave the country Mm. um, because they can't be looking for work obviously if they're in Bali um so, what happens with the disability, with disability pension person travelling overseas? What happens with
3: that? There's been a number of changes over the years for the what we call portability, which taking it out of the country um, of disability pension. Generally speaking, now for most customers on a disability pension, payments are only portable for 28 days within mm-hmm. a rolling 12 month period. Mm-hmm. So that basically means. In any 12-month period, um, absences up to 28 days outside Australia, the payment would still be paid. But once a person exceeds that 28 days in any 12-month period, the payment would be suspended.
1: Right. Is is there any... um is it always the case or is there some exceptions to this? There
3: can be exceptions, of course. So depending upon the reason the person's travelling, if someone were travelling to seek specialist medical, medical advice, treatment, yep. uh, treatment only available in that country, then absolutely there can be um, exceptions. exemptions. Right. and
1: aside. so they need to go and tell tell uh, you down at Centrelink before they go overseas, not be overseas in, 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 in six weeks and then all of a sudden the, no. the money stops.
3: Customers on disability pensions need to contact prior to leaving the country, in all cases.
1: Right, okay, okay. So I think that's, that, that's, that's, that's kind of key. And, and, and there's another thing called a mobility allowance. What's, what's the mobility allowance and how does that all work?
3: Mobility Allowance is a supplementary payment paid um, by Centrelink. So it's for customers who are over 16 and have a disability illness or injury um, for at least 12 months into the future that gives them a great deal of difficulty in using public transport, so they can actually qualify for a supplementary payment of ninety four dollars ten a fortnight. Um, the person needs to be um, participating in an activity that requires them to to use transport so um, they might be working they might be doing voluntary work they might be studying and they need to be doing that for a minimum of thirty two hours in every four weeks. And then based on medical assessments, they could apply for this additional payment of mobility allowance.
1: And that's, to, to that, is, that's because they can't use public transport. Yeah,
3: great so d- deal of attacks. difficulty
1: taxi fees or something. They don't need
3: to actually demonstrate that they must use public transport, they just have to have an inability to use it. Um, Very important to note with that mobility allowance, customers cannot be um, in receipt of an NDIS package. Um, They're not eligible for mobility allowance if they're getting NDIS. Okay
1: and one class question um what's essential medical equipment payment what's that
3: Well, wow, that's probably going to take me more than a minute or so to explain we 30 might leave seconds that one till, we might leave that one till <laughs> next time, time stephen because that's a, quite an interesting little payment that a lot of people wouldn't be aware of that certainly may be eligible for
1: okay <laughs> thanks Mandy.
0: <laughs> thank you very much mandy it sounds like we almost got you when you're about to start all over again <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk to you next time. That has been uh, Talking Finance with Stephen Pritchard. Of course, you're off on holiday, Stephen. It's very exciting. I'm off on holidays, but so, so, so are you, aren't you? Oh, well, I'm not here, but I'm sort of still sticking around. I'm, I'm very anxious to get on, see where, how your I'm holiday I'm goes I'm when I'm you get I'm back. I'm only going up to the bay. Oh, it's only going to the oh, bay. Yeah. That's not too bad. There's plenty of great spots around the hunt. spots up there. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health,